different kinds of dosa, super sweet treats, and bangan barta. This week, we're in India. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, and this is Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Welcome to the show. Each week, we explore the world through its cuisine, and this week, it's some of the most popular food in the world, Indian cuisine. Now, India is a huge country, and of course, everyone knows that there's tons of different regions in India and different kinds of cuisine. In this episode, we're going to be talking mostly about Southern Indian cuisine. And to narrow it down even further, we'll be talking about vegan Indian cuisine. That's because my guest is Wendy Werneth. Wendy is a writer. Her books, Nine Steps to Easy Vegan Travel and Veggie Planet, are excellent guides for folks who are vegan or just want to incorporate more vegan food into their diet. Wendy's also the person behind the nomadicvegan.com. Now, I know some people are put off by me even saying the word vegan, and I probably can't change your mind, but so many people are trying vegan food, even if they're not vegan full-time. And as I've said on my podcast before, I think travelers in general are a rather open-minded bunch. So I think you'll enjoy my conversation with Wendy, not to mention the fact that she's entertaining, engaging, and a really fun person. But first, if you're like me and thinking about planning a trip for 2021, even if it's just in the preliminary stages, let me suggest you use the Destination Eat Drink podcast as one of your prep tools. I've done over 100 episodes now and featured destinations all over the world. You can scroll through all my episodes I've done at radiomisfits.com, and they're all free. And if a place strikes your fancy, give it a listen. Maybe you'll find a place to go next year. All the episodes are archived at radiomisfits.com. Destination, eat, drink. Wendy, thanks for being on the show today. You are the nomadic vegan of the nomadicvegan.com. And I think, you know, most people know what veganism is, or at least they think they know what veganism is. But let's have you talk about it a little bit. How do you define what it means to be vegan? Well, veganism basically means living in a way that avoids exploiting or harming animals to the extent possible. So most people think of that in terms of what we eat and not eating animals and not eating their byproducts, their secretions. But obviously it does impact other aspects of life in terms of you know, I also don't wear leather or wool. Um, I don't use products that have been tested on animals. There's no such thing as a perfect vegan. I mean, we live in a world where, unfortunately, animals are exploited, um, you know, in vast numbers. And those animal products get into our <laughs> daily lives in ways that we aren't even aware of. But it's just a matter of trying to do the best that you can. And for me, it's just about living in my in alignment with my own values. You know, I always considered myself an animal lover. I loved animals. I grew up with animals, but I was also eating animals for most of my life. And at some point it clicked that for me, that just didn't make sense. And um, so for the past six years or so, I've been following a vegan lifestyle. 
and also traveling around the world at the same time. <laughs> Thus the nomadic vegan. Right. So one other question about uh, veganism is, you know, in this digital world, I, you know, back in the back in the olden days, <laughs> before the internet, it wasn't as easy to know if a product had um, animal, uh, you know, some kind of animal product in it, because mm -hmm. they call these things different names. It doesn't say um, cow stomach in it; it calls it something else. And so you're not necessarily aware of when an animal product is in something or not. But now. We live in this digital world, and everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket. Do you use any of these apps to figure out what is vegan and what isn't vegan? Mm, um, that's a good question. The apps that I use the most in terms of being vegan and traveling as a vegan is called Happy Cow. Mm -hmm. And that's not really for determining what the exact ingredients are. It's more about eating out, although they, go, they do cover other things as well. But it's essentially a directory of restaurants, uh, vegetarian, vegan, and also just vegan-friendly restaurants all over the world. And it's crowdsourced, so anyone can add to it. And lots of people are adding um, you know, new listings to it every day. And that's really helpful for figuring out where to eat when I'm going, you know, when I'm traveling and perhaps don't speak the language in the place where I am. And it's useful to know, okay, this place has a vegan dish or, you know, they can make it vegan. You just need to ask them to leave off the specific thing and things like that. Um, in terms of like doing grocery shopping and no, there aren't apps that I check specifically for that. I mean, usually you can tell from the label, from reading the ingredients list, um, or a lot of things, a lot of products are actually marked as vegan now. And you can see, you know, a vegan check mark or some kind of logo that's very prominent on the packaging. So that's a new development in the past few years. People, the companies have recognized that there's a growing demand for vegan products. And so it is becoming easier to identify those, which is really good. I think in Europe, they do a much better job of this. I notice when I travel in Europe, you can always see when you go into the grocery store, you can always see that they're labeled with some kind of V or green tag of some kind when you've got a vegetarian or a vegan item. I think in the U.S., we don't do nearly as, as good a job as they do in Europe for identifying these, these items. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that's very possible. I'm from the U.S. originally, but I have been based in Europe for many years now. And ever right, since right. I've been vegan, I've always been living in Europe. So yeah, that's kind of the viewpoint that I was thinking about it from. Yeah. So you've been to over 160 countries now. That's that seems like almost the entire world to me. Um, I, oh, sorry, it's a uh, hundred and sixteen. Oh, one hundred and sixteen. Okay, one one. That's still a lot. <laughs> that's that's the that's got to <laughs> be like the majority. One one six. So what I wanted to talk about today, Wendy, is India because India seems like a very vegetarian friendly country. How friendly is it to travel there as a vegan? Yeah, it's a good question and um, kind of a you know nuanced situation because you're right, it is extremely vegetarian friendly. I'd say it's the best country in the world to travel as a vegetarian because um, a large portion of the population of India, I've heard anywhere between 
I don't know, I think it's around 40% of Indians are vegetarian. And so you will find vegetarian restaurants absolutely everywhere. And even the restaurants that aren't vegetarian, they will always have a very large separate vegetarian section on the menu. Um, you, they know exactly what vegetarian means. And uh, for them, it means not just no meat or fish, but also no eggs in most cases. Um, most Indians who identify as vegetarian don't eat eggs either. So really the only thing that you have to worry about as a vegan is dairy. And that can be a little bit tricky, uh, depending largely on what part of India you're in. In the north, they do use quite a lot of dairy products. Uh, in the south, they use a lot less. They tend to use coconut milk, for example, rather than cow's milk. So it's a lot easier in southern India. That's not to say that you won't find anything to eat in the north. You definitely will. But you just have to ask a lot of questions. Uh, you can't just you know, throw out the word vegan and expect them to understand what that means. Um, I, I'd say in the last couple of years, there is definitely a vegan movement that's growing in India, and it's growing quite quickly. But still, at this point, the average waiter in a restaurant in India is not going to understand that term. So, you know, you need to be really specific about asking about each individual dairy product that you think might be in the dish. Um, so you'll say, uh, does it have curd in it? Curd is what they call yogurt. Uh, does it have paneer? Paneer is a type of soft cheese, like a um, like a cottage cheese kind of thing, uh, which comes in a lot of vegetarian Indian dishes. And then the biggest one to look out for, I'd say, is ghee. And ghee is clarified butter. And it's often used as a cooking fat. So, you know, that would be kind of the base of a sauce or a stew or, or a curry dish. And so you have to and that's something that you can't see. You know, I mean, it would be pretty obvious if there was yogurt or cream or cheese in the dish. But there could very well be ghee and, and you wouldn't know you wouldn't be able to see it. Um, so that's one thing that you need to be quite clear about that you don't want ghee and just ask them to use oil instead. And in most cases, they can do that with no problem. I mean, a lot of places do cook with oil anyway, instead of ghee, particularly if you're kind of a more budget minded traveler and you're eating in more budget friendly places, those places are more likely to use oil because ghee can be pretty expensive. So and they probably won't mind at all, you know, if you ask them to use oil because it works out to be cheaper for them. <laughs> okay, good. So if you're traveling in India, what what are some of the dishes that you would look for? What are some of your favorite dishes that you would eat when you're in India for a vegan? Yeah, I mean, there are so many. I have been to India three times now. The first two were quite a few years ago in 2004 and then 2006, I believe it was. Um, my husband and I, we weren't married yet at that time, but um, my to-be husband and I traveled around for, I think, about four months the first time and then about six weeks on the second trip. And so we saw a lot of India and and enjoyed a lot of Indian foods. We weren't vegan at that time, but we did actually eat vegetarian 
the whole time that we were in, in India, just because it was so easy to do that. And it seemed a bit safer, safer in terms of, you know, food safety and not getting sick, which is something that right, right. a lot of people are concerned about. And a lot of people do get sick, you know, when they go to India. So uh, it seemed a bit safer to stick to the vegetarian dishes. And there were so many of them and they were so delicious and, and they were generally cheaper and we were on a very tight budget. Um, so I thought that we ex really explored vegetarian Indian cuisine quite thoroughly on those first couple of trips. But then I went to India for a third time just last year. And that was a trip in Southern India. And it was an organized tour with a vegan tour company called Escape 2. And I was kind of co-leading that trip. And I was blown away by Southern Indian cuisine. Even though I had been to the South before, I there were so many dishes that I had never tried. And I think it's because on the other trips, we had started in the North. And that's where we kind of got our footing in terms of, you know, figuring out what the different dishes were and, and trying different things. And then when we headed South later, we just kept eating those same things because you do find them on Southern on restaurant menus in Southern India, you'll also find the Northern dishes. Um, and so we just kind of stuck to those because those were the ones that we had already tried and figured out that we liked, but there's a whole entirely different cuisine in the South that I really enjoyed exploring when I was on this trip, uh, based in Bangalore last year. So the Northern dishes that I love are, I mean, those are the typical curries. That's the kind of Indian food that you get. If you go to an Indian restaurant, outside of India, you know, in most places around the world, in the U.S. or in Australia. That's what we're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of, the northern Indian food is the Indian food that most people are familiar with. So in terms of that category, chana masala is one that I really love. It's a chickpea curry. Bangam barta is another one, which is an eggplant curry. And uh, first they smoke the eggplant. So it has kind of a smoky flavor to it. And um, it's all mashed up. It doesn't really look much like eggplant. It looks, it's just kind of, you know, mixed up together in the sauce. It's kind of like a warm version of baba ganoush. If you've ever had baba ganoush from, from the Middle East or from Lebanese cuisine, uh, it's kind of that kind of texture and that way of preparing eggplant, but then in a warm curry dish. Um, and then dal, which dal... It can be any kind of legume, actually. It's a very, very general word that's used in India, but it usually refers to lentils. Uh, yeah, I really love all the different dal dishes as well. But then in the South, there's uh, they don't really eat curries like that. They eat, it's hard to even describe the food. Um, it's more based on grains and legumes, so it's a lot of things that look kind of like, not like a bread, but maybe like a pancake. But in a lot of cases, uh, these cakes and pancakes are actually made out of lentil flour or rice flour or a combination or even. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're a lot more nutritious than just something that's made out of, you know, wheat flour and uh, really hearty as well. And 
Um, there are just so many different varieties of them. So masala dosa is probably the one that people are most familiar with. Have you ever had masala dosa, Brent? I have because uh, back in the day when we were living in Rhode Island, there was a Southern Indian restaurant. It's since closed. Uh, but they used to make the most wonderful uh, dosa there. And we would go and we would go mm. and get that all the time. It was fantastic. But I think you're seeing more dosa in the United States than you did maybe 20 years ago when we were trying this in Rhode Island. But still, I think most people think when they think Indian food, they think of a curry. So uh, talk a little bit about what you can find inside these, uh, these dosas. Okay, yeah. And again, there are lots of different types of dosa. Uh, I'd say the most common and most famous one is masala dosa. And so it's, uh, again, this really thin, savory pancake that is also made usually from a mix of rice and lentil flour. And then on the inside, you have a mix of potato I don't know, I guess like a potato salad, you could call it, but also with um, turmeric and, you know, lots of Indian spices. And it's usually served with a couple of other sauces as well. And they're often gigantic because they're really, really thin. So... But yeah, they're like, they're bigger than the plate, you know, they're like practically falling off the side of the table. (laughs) Good, good. When you were in Southern India, did you have any favorite restaurants that you went to? I mean, we've talked about a few of these dishes, maybe some uh, fun places that you went to or interesting restaurants that you enjoyed there. Okay, yeah. Um, Well, like I said, it was a a vegan tour uh, based in Bangalore. So they did take us to some specifically vegan restaurants, which there aren't really that many fully vegan restaurants in all of India. But Bangalore is kind of the, the vegan hub of India thus far. So the very first uh, vegan restaurant in the whole country was in is in Bangalore and it's called Carrots. Hmm. So we actually had a cooking class there that was part of this tour and that was a lot of fun and their their food is absolutely delicious and they do uh, quite a fusion, you know, it's quite a mix of some western dishes but also some Indian dishes as well and in particular the Indian dishes that usually aren't vegan and then they've veganized those so that you can taste those dishes as a vegan which was really special. So carrots was definitely one of my favorites. Konark was a, um, it's actually a chain of um, really popular places, mostly for breakfast, um, which again, breakfast in Southern India is, you know, completely different from what you probably eat for breakfast. Like there's no you know, I don't know, there's no uh, eggs and bacon and or even cereal and croissants and stuff like that. It's all kind of, again, these savory uh, lentil based, rice based cakes. Um, There is one that looks like a donut. It's called a vada, but it's actually savory. And um, it can be made either from lentils or other legumes or also from potatoes. So Konark is a really fun place to go for breakfast in particular and to try all these different Indian breakfast dishes. Oh, sounds great. You know, it it strikes me that a lot of folks, we're talking about eating a, a vegan diet, and it strikes me that a lot of folks think, oh, well, eating vegan is so limiting. It's like, it's about what you don't have. To me, though... When you fully embrace, whether it's vegetarianism, whether it's veganism, when you really try to embrace this, it opens up a whole new world because you're not so focused on this one 
slab of meat in the middle of your plate. You've got all these new flavors that have opened up a world for you. So when we're talking about trying uh, to be vegan or to just experiment with uh, eating some vegan dishes, I think people, if they approach it with an open mind, what they'll find is a whole new world of flavors come onto their palate that they never knew existed before. That is absolutely true. And I am so glad to hear you say that because, yes, that is definitely what I experienced when I went vegan. And it's what I've heard from so many other vegans as well. Um, that, yeah, you think it sounds really limiting and really restrictive, but then, you know, you get exposed to all these different types of foods, different ingredients that you've never cooked with before, and also different cuisines as well, because there are so many world cuisines out there that are very plant-based, you know, um, they don't plate their food in the way that we do, like you said, where you just have this slab of meat in the middle of the, the plate, and that's the main focus, and then the vegetables are just kind of an afterthought on the side. Uh, so many cuisines don't do things that way. You know, the vegetables and the legumes and whole grains, those are really the focus of the dish. And meat is used, but in much smaller quantities and just kind of, you know, more for flavoring than anything else. So, yeah, I've discovered other cuisines that, you know, I didn't know about. And also, especially when I'm traveling, um, I do quite a bit of research uh, into the local cuisine before I go. And that's become one of my favorite things to do. I've become a foodie traveler because I became vegan. I wasn't a foodie traveler oh, before at all. I would just eat, you know, whatever was cheap, whatever was easy and available. And now I take the time to do the research and figure out what are the dishes that I want to try when I'm there and what are the restaurants that I want to go to. And food has become a really big part of my travels and a really enriching part as well. Let's talk about uh, desserts, about sweets in India, because I had a good friend who married an Indian gentleman uh, years ago, and his parents came from India and stayed for six months in preparation for the wedding, which was great because we got to go over and uh, the mom would make Indian food for us. And it was great. But I was especially struck by some of the sweets that she made. And what I found was one of my favorite was she made, and I don't know if this was just from her town, I don't know if this is common throughout India, but she made something similar to a donut, but more like a donut hole, you know, small little bite sized. And then she uh. covered it in sweet, uh, simple syrup. So it was, it was really, really sweet, but it was also extraordinarily delicious. And it made me just be like, oh, I got to try more Indian sweets and desserts. So Wendy, could you talk a little bit about um, Indian desserts and sweets? Yeah, I think I know the ones that you're talking about. Okay. I don't know exactly what they're called, but um, yeah, I have seen those little balls before. Uh, the name is escaping me. I think it's, is it Gulab Jamun or something like that? She never told um, me. She just stuck the plate in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gulab Jamun, I think, I think that's the name of it. Um, yeah, and you're right. It is super sweet, and a lot of the... Indian desserts are really, really sweet. Um, but I have quite a sweet tooth, so that's not too much of a problem. Good for you. <laughs> um, a lot of them do have dairy products. So, you know, as a vegan, it's, it's a bit limited as to which ones 
um, are going to be vegan, but, but there are some as well and, and everyone makes them differently. So it's important to, to just ask at each individual place, you know, what they've put in them. Um, but there's one that's vegan that I can think of that comes from Kerala in the South of India and it's called Ella Ada. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a little dumpling, um, made out of rice flour. Like the outside is, uh, from a rice flour dough and then there's grated coconut and, uh, jaggery sugar, uh, inside. And they're like, uh, wrapped up in a banana leaf and then steamed. Mm. So that is really delicious. And that's not super sweet. Like some of the other things, uh, it's often eaten for breakfast as well as just as a, as a treat, as a snack. Sounds good. And where, where would we find this again? It comes from Kerala, which is a state in the south of India. Um, it's a really beautiful place. You, There's lots of water, like water channels. Uh, they call them the backwaters. So you can take a boat tour of the backwaters of oh, Kerala. Cool. And uh, you'll have um, these boats that are, the men push them along with poles, with really long poles that they push into the water. Um, and so they'll kind of row you along that way. And it's just a really peaceful way to experience the landscape and just watch all these palm trees and everything gliding past you. It's a, it's a very chilled out region of India, much more calm than, you know, say Delhi or really anywhere in the North. And that's another kind of general distinction I would say between the North and the South is that the North is really intense, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's an amazing place full of color and sounds and smells, but it can be a bit much. Um, whereas if you need to get away from that and chill out a little bit, the, the South is generally uh, going to be better for that. And Kerala in particular is a really great place to relax. Well, that boat ride sounds incredibly relaxing and cool, and I think I'd love to do that. Uh, if we're in the south of India, are there any other really great sites that we can't miss when we're there? Or maybe what are your favorite places to go to? Great sites. I mean, yeah, there are lots of amazing temples. Uh, Pondicherry is another really cool town. It was actually a, a French colony at one point. So there's still lots of old colonial architecture there. And yeah, it still has kind of a European feel, but, you know, mixed in with a Indian atmosphere as well. So it's a really interesting contradiction and, and mix of things. I like Pondicherry a lot. Bangalore really surprised me. I had not ever, I had chosen not to go to Bangalore the first two times that I went to India because I didn't really think it would appeal to me. I imagined it as being like this IT hub, you know, and just mm, like a big okay. city with skyscrapers. But that was where my tour was based when I went back the third time last year. And I really loved it. Um, I mean, it is, it is a big city, but it has a lot of culture as well. And Honestly, any city in India is going to be fascinating. Like you can just walk outside your door and like see so many <laughs> crazy things that, you know, you've never seen before that you can just about go anywhere and, you know, have a really interesting experience. Well, Wendy, the nomadic vegan, thank you for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's been interesting, eye-opening, and sounds like so much fun to go to India. It's got to be on 
everyone's list at some point to go to India. It's certainly on mine. I've never been to India. So thanks for opening our eyes to uh, how cool it would be to go to India and how interesting it would be to travel as a vegan. It was my pleasure. It was great talking to you. Okay, there you go. That's Wendy. Her website is thenomadicvegan.com. We've got links to the stuff she talked about in the show notes at radiomisfits.com. We've also got links to her books. We'll definitely have Wendy back for another episode soon. Good stuff. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, it's all about tacos. Puffy tacos, Korean tacos, the great taco war of 2016, and not a Taco Bell in sight. Until then, satisfy your travel jones at DestinationEatDrink.com. I've got foodie travel guides, travel tips, and my personal blog. This week on the blog, I tell you why all the wasabi you've been eating is fake. That's at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 